We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the show. It is Ivy Nation Sports Talk. We're up and rolling. He's Jesse Styers. I'm Sean Styers. I thought I heard something buzzing in my room right when we started. I lost power at my house earlier today, but fortunately it's back. It was out for a couple of hours. I was kind of worried about how things were going to go, if I was going to have enough juice in the batteries between the uh, the hot spot and the phone and the computer to make this show happen. But as you can see, the lights are on and and things are going well. How are uh, how are things in the land today, Jesse? Oh, it's not bad. It's like 78 degrees, really sunny and nice outside. I think it's probably been the most beautiful day um, of the summer. Work-wise, it was work. Some people made me upset, but that's <laughs> that's every day. Work-wise, it was work. Yes. <laughs> yes, it was. It was it was work. Well, glad to have you. With us here today, smash that like button if you would, and of course, subscribe, rate, review, all that kind of good stuff that we always talk about. It is the middle of May, did a little mowing today, it was long overdue at my yard, I think Vince mowed his after the show yesterday, but uh, spring football is more and more a distant memory now at this point as uh, we kind of start to grind our way towards the summer, we're just a couple of day, uh, couple of weeks away from Memorial Day and you know the off season for college football it's it's a lot different than the NFL because there's just not a ton that happens like the NFL of course has the draft combine they've got free agency you know there's tons of build up to the draft the actual draft itself we just had the schedule release all that different kind of stuff they pretty much dominate the calendar you know because there's just always something going on in the NFL. Yeah. And that's really uh, how it goes. Once the college football season ends is it, it just kind of takes the back seat to the NFL. Like you were talking about, they just, I think the NFL is better about strategically doing things to keep fans interested, even though it's technically a lull in the season and, and college football really, you know, doesn't do a whole lot. And, and the fact of, unless you follow your team for, you know, spring practice and everything, which I don't think a lot of people do slash get, overly excited about uh yeah there's really just not a lot to look forward to when it comes to the college football offseason yeah and college offseason the last couple of years has pretty much come down to conference realignment you know two years ago it was texas and oklahoma i see henry agrees 
you know, their, their move to the SEC last summer, we got the bombshell that it was USC and UCLA going dead to the Big Ten. And those moves, of course, are still not pending, but they're they're coming in the near future. And the rumblings right now where all this stuff going on in ACC land with the president's meeting out there, there are now eight schools from the conference. Louisville became the eighth school apparently today to join this fray with these seven other schools, Clemson, Florida State, Miami, uh, North Carolina, North Carolina State, and the two Virginia schools, Virginia and Virginia Tech. They've met with their lawyers over the past several months to examine how the ACC's grant of rights that runs through 2036, you know, just how unbreakable it is. And, you know, it would reportedly cost around 120 million bucks per school to get out of it. So those schools reportedly pitching that there should be a weighted payout. They want a weighted payout from the conference to pay them more than the other schools because they think that they're bringing in more revenue than than the others. So I just, I don't feel like anything is going to happen with this. I saw just before we got started, there's some stuff on Twitter about the whole Louisville thing. A lot of people equate this to, well, these seven schools are now eight. These eight schools, you know, they're they're all in this together and they're going to bolt. But the problem is still the problem. And that's, you've got to pay the grant of rights. The grant of rights, they've signed contracts that run for another 13 years. And if you try to get out of them, well, you can go someplace else, but you've got to pay the penalty, 120 million bucks to get out of this. And like, that's what kept Texas and Oklahoma, and for that matter, USC and UCLA in their conferences for a little bit longer, like they would have had to pay a penalty fee to get out of them. So they've stuck around for an extra couple of years playing in those conferences. And it's just, I don't see the ACC breaking up anytime soon because it's just going to cost everybody too much money. They'd have to pay more than they're going to get in, in the long haul. And the other part of that is like, with the exception of Clemson and Florida state, maybe North Carolina, I just, I don't really see how desirable all these schools are for like the sec or, you know, maybe for the big 12 because the big 12 is desperate enough. I just, I don't think it's anything is happening anytime soon. What do you think? We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, I, I'm on the same page as you, and I think it's just just for what you were talking about. They're contractually obliged or obligated right now, and you can't – $120 million is a lot of money just to leave the conference. And so you would be rolling the dice that you would be comfortable with going in the whole $120 million and then essentially having to probably work off some of those debts – for a few years before you even start seeing any sort of, you know, turn profits or anything like that. So I, and it's like, I think it would be easier and maybe more practical for, you know, the Clemson's, the Florida States, uh, maybe Miami and North Carolina, but like North Carolina state, Virginia, Virginia tech, Louisville. I just don't see enough interest, you know, nationally, they don't have enough of a national presence where they could undertake $120 million hole. It's just, it's not worth it. And I think it's honestly a waste of a lot of people's time and breath because this is something that's going to last for 13 more years and it's not going to change uh, it really, in my opinion. So I just feel like it's a lot of wasted effort into something that really isn't going to change. Well, and the other thing is like, even if some of these schools, let's, let's say Clemson, for example, were to go, Let's say that they were to pay them on a sliding scale. They'd only be getting a few more million bucks. You're talking about probably like three to five million bucks per year that they would getting it would be getting. You know, is it really worth that to you know just cause the ripple effect that you would cause and the discord that you would cause throughout the conference to get a couple extra million bucks? I mean, obviously, at the end of the day, they want closer to a hundred million, like they're getting in the SEC than the you know than the around 30 million bucks you know and that's andre says that's why you have alumni to help pay the cost i i just <laughs> i mean you're you're gonna you're gonna be digging deep to get 120 million 120 million it's it's one thing to buy out a football coach's contract for five or ten million bucks 120 million bucks is a whole different i just story. feel like that money could be used in so many better ways just to mm -hmm. get out of a contract i mean you're talking about maybe seeing an extra three to five extra, you know, million per year. And you say, say you take the top end of that 5 million divide, you know, take 120 divided by five. And that's 24 years of making it up before you see a net profit essentially. So I just, I don't see the advantage of it. And honestly, I just, you know, it, to me, I think it comes down to, and correct me if I'm wrong, it's just everyone wants that new TV deal and to get more money out of it. But it's just, you know, that's that's the whole point of a contract, unfortunately, is you sign people and you get them in long term. And of course, better things are going to come out. Right. Like I bought a car five years ago and I just paid off the loans or whatever. But during that time, you know, they had better cars out. And, and you know, but that doesn't mean I can just bolt to the newest car and I immediately get rid of what I have. It's just it's not still practical. have to pay it off. That's right. It's something that has to be paid off in between. And cars, cars at least are you know, are easier to pay off than 120 million bucks like we're talking right. about. But yeah, you're absolutely right. You can't just say, well, now I'm going to jump 
to the next one. You got to find a way to pay always for it. jump to the newest, greatest thing because there's always going to be a newer or greater thing. And so, unfortunately, you know, the ACC really screwed themselves over by binding themselves to such a long term deal. And I think that is ultimately their downfall is they can't get out of their own mistakes. Yeah, and that's like Jim Phillips is paying the cost of his predecessor right now. I mean, he's only been on the job there for a couple of years, and this deal was signed well before he showed up. And the thing is, they signed this in 2016, and everyone was patting them on the back for signing this. All the schools were happy because like, they took a long-term deal. They took long-term security over – Let's do a shorter deal, and maybe in a few years we get a bigger payout there. So they were all willing to do it. Each and every school had to sign on the dotted line that that's you know the agreement that they were going to abide by. And now because there's shinier, newer things going on in the SEC and in the Big Ten, all these schools, you know, they're 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 looking for greener pastures. So I just. Just because just because seven or eight schools are banding together, that doesn't mean things are falling apart. They're not going to go anywhere because they're not at best. You might get one or two schools who would actually be willing to eat this. And the fact that they're trying to band together really shows where they are, because, again, like what they're trying to press right now is we know we can't get out of this. So, so pay us a little bit more because we think that we're worth more than you know, so well, I think that like the Pittsburgh and the Boston colleges of the ACC, I think that like like you were saying, there's probably only two desirable schools, Florida State and Clemson. And I think a lot of these more middle tier schools are latching or leeching onto them, knowing that there is interest in them. And then, you know, just kind of group trying to get out of it. But really, outside of Florida State and Clemson, I don't think anyone else could ultimately afford to go into the hole like that. I think Clemson and Florida State could make it work over time. But I, I just think that, and again, too, you even if you do it, you're putting yourself in the hole and banking on something happening that you can't even guarantee, you know, going forward. So you might go in the hole and it could end up being even worse and you could go even more in the hole. So, yeah, I just think it's a bad situation overall for some of these ACC teams. And like you said, they just signed, you know, that new deal seven years ago, a 20-year deal. They're not even halfway through this new deal and they're already trying to get out of it. Yeah, exactly. So in the meantime, other than conference realignment talk, is there a way for college football to grab some different space in the offseason calendar the way the NFL does with its offseason? And what got me thinking about this, there was a recent article from Michael DeCourcy of the Sporting News. And he says what what he said was, now he, he applied, Michael DeCourcy traditionally college basketball writer, you know, much more on the college basketball side. So he says college basketball should embrace the transfer portal and use it to promote the sport, like the NFL, the NBA, and Major League Baseball do with their free agent periods to create more off-season buzz, more off-season conversation. And I think it's easily adaptable to college football, especially since there's much greater overall interest compared to college basketball. So what do you think about just like that as a starting point for the concept when you talk about, you know, college football and the off season and sort of having more things going on, you know, like more, more, more interest in the off season beyond everything blowing up when you, you know, when, when all the conversations shifts to realignment. 
Yeah, and so we kind of talked about this at the beginning. College football, once the season ends, the national championship bowl game, you know, wherever your team might end up, it's basically a dead period until the start of the next school year. You know, because not not too many people are concerned about the weightlifting programs and the training <laughs> that go on from January to March. And then right. very, very few are interested in actual spring practice because of what we talked about before. It's just very vanilla stuff. It's mainly for the younger guys so they can learn and understand the defense, get a better understanding of the playbook, you know, yada, yada, yada. But I like the overall idea of college football being able to do something. And I like, you know, the the, the conversation that was started by Michael DeCourcy, because what you can essentially do is take everyone in the transfer portal and make it like every other major sports leagues trade deadline, you know, have maybe do like a full rankings of one through a hundred, the top hundred players in the transfer portal. And then, yeah. and then do something like we've talked about before, like do a transfer portal game or a transfer portal combine or, you know, something like that. And then allow, you know, people to watch, allow people to take interest. And then it almost becomes like a lottery because then you're like, Oh, well, I want this guy on my team or, Maybe we're deficient at cornerback. Who's the best cornerback in the portal right now? Oh, let me tune in and see how they're doing. And, you know, people like you and I are talking about them. So then it gives people even more interest to tune in and look at them. But I think there is a very solid idea of doing something with the transfer portal now that it's such a big thing. And the amount of people that are in the transfer portal that you can easily turn it into some sort of rankings, combine, football game, you know, whatever it might be. And you can drag that out or pull it out, you know, as much as you can and get as much out of it, you know, once the college football season ends. Well, and there are a couple of different windows, obviously. There's the December window when the portal opens and then it closes again because you've got the spring semester starting in January. And then obviously you have the spring portal when it opens in April and then it closes. And now, just like we had with Antonio Carter, a guy who announced that he's transferring in. It, like you've got the two portal windows and like you said so you've really got two different opportunities there to use it just like you're talking about like like these are the time because most of it most of the time spent talking about the portal is like what happened here at notre dame tyler buckner logan diggs prince collie it's like ah, oh, everybody wrings their hands because your guys are transferring but what if there were actually more attention on the guys who are available out there because that information is a lot more difficult to come by in a lot of ways. You know, it's like you make that more readily available so fans can kind of see what's out there. I think that that leads to a lot, you know, broader conversation. And then like you're talking about, like comparing that to the free agency period, that's essentially what, what the transfer portal is now, like it or not, you may not completely love it, but it is what it is, and so it has become, whether it's college football or, or college basketball, obviously other sports as well, but they're the two most high-profile sports, it is the free agency period for those sports. So why not use that to actually generate more off-season conversation and, and conversation that people are interested in in the off-season? Everyone wants to bolster their team. Well, yeah, and I think it's everyone wants to improve, and I think it's just such an advantage for these guys going in the portal too, because you know when they've committed, and you know basically what I'm saying is coming out of high school compared to when they decide to transfer, their bodies are in different shapes. You know whether they're faster, stronger, their football IQ you would hope is up. 
you know, just understanding the the the, the way college football is played, the, the just football IQ um, in general. So it goes both ways. It, it not only helps the fans, but it helps the players because they can put on a more accurate display of who they are in the current moment, right? Because you don't you don't want to just rely on the twenty four seven sports composite grade that they got two mm-hmm. years ago when yeah, there's exactly. not a lot of game film out. You want to see what they are in their current state. And I think that that is also something that's beneficiary to coaches, players, fans, like everyone would benefit from that overall, because you're getting a more updated scouting report essentially. And the players are, are able to showcase, okay, maybe they've gotten better. And in some cases, I'm sure maybe some people have gotten worse, but I think it's fair for the coaches to know, you know, where that player stands in their current state. So I've got kind of some ideas for this reimagined college football offseason. And this is this is one of the things, how we fit it in there. The first thing I would do is take the the you know high school early signing period out of the month of December because there's just too much going on there at that point. You've got some teams are getting ready for bowls. Of course, you got coaches changes, coaching changes going on and you know and and you've got the transfer portal going on at that time i think that it is too much get the early signing period out of december i would move that to the last week of july right before fall training camps start so what do you think about that idea yeah i would also get rid of uh the early signee period because again what you talk about there's so much going on like too many moving parts at the time and i would take it a step further um, and I don't know if this is kind of same along the same lines, but I would get rid of the transfer, por- the early transfer portal um, as well, because, again, like we saw someone like Drew Pine enter the transfer portal before the season was even over. And I, I've, I've stuck by that. I think that the transfer portal should only open once your season is you know officially over. And I know that is different times for different players, but I think you should hold everyone to the same transfer portal dead or opening date and that should be after the last game of the you know the very last game of the season essentially the national championship so see and that what makes that difficult though is the fact that like starting next year especially the national championship game isn't going to be played until January 20th and you've got classes already starting around that point so you're oh, going to have true, some people it's the change of the semester right like so you know classes are going to start in mid January in most places so it's like Again, it, it it stinks, but you kind of have to have that portal right there. You've got to have that portal open period, I think, just because of of that. You've got to give those guys an opportunity if they want to transfer then and find a new school so they can get enrolled for the spring semester and go through spring practice. So I, I think, I, I mean, I agree. It does, like the timing of it stinks, just like the timing of coaching changes always stink. But I kind of think that you've got to keep that that window in there someplace. So like with that in mind, the 12 team college football playoff is going to start. The first round games are going to be December 20th and 21st, new year's Eve, new year's day, quarterfinals, January 9th and 10th. This is not this season, but next season, of course, January 9th and 10th, the semifinals, January 20th, the national championship. So what I would do is put the winter portal signing day right after those new year's eve games so like like you could you could obviously be committed and all that stuff but you have like the formal portal winter signing day right after 
New Year's, the quarterfinals, and all that, you know, and in between the semifinals, because there are only four teams that are going to be playing at that point. So the vast majority of schools, you know, would would be free. It would allow everyone, you know, to make a bigger deal about the announcements. And then, you know, kind of like you said, if people are talking about these players who are kind of in there, the portal in the meantime, I think that that is a good opportunity. You like that? Yeah, I also do like this one. Um, and again, I, I like it for a lot of the stuff that you were talking about, because I think it gives the schools a bigger opportunity to give these kind of portal situations more club publicity, right? Like you can, especially if your season has kind of ended and maybe it didn't end in the way you wanted to, you can make a splash and kind of get people's minds off of the topic of maybe not having the season that you quite expected by saying, Hey, we just got this great transfer portal player. Here we are, we're signing them. And this is how they're going to address our needs or some of our deficiencies you know, from the, the the previous season. So I really like that. I think it would honest, it would obviously suck for the teams who are still in the playoffs, you know, because that would just be another thing that they have to go about. But I mean, the, the majority of the schools aren't in the playoffs and that's kind of the point of it. And obviously a reason why you'd probably be looking more so into the portal. So I think it would be great because it, one, it gives, it, it, it just diverts the attention away from, you know, what, what was probably not a great season and you immediately kind of be like, okay, well, we know we had a bad juice. season. Yeah, but yeah. yeah, here's some new juice of how we're going to turn it around and get people excited yeah. for how you're going to turn it around. Yeah, again, the analogy is free agency for the pro sports. And it's like, these are these are our free agents that we've had. You know, these are our transfer portal guys, our free agents that we've added this offseason, excuse me, going into the spring. And obviously they had a bit, you know, like Notre Dame had a big one in Sam Hartman. and. You know, so yeah, I, I absolutely, I, I think that that it makes absolute sense. I would keep the regular high school signing day in February the way that it's always been. But again, I'm I've already taken the early signing period out of December because of everything else going on. So now, like once you get into February, though February, March, April, that's that's like spring practice. Obviously, the only thing I can think of is like you've got some of these different. You, you always hear about like these NCAA oversight committees, you know, like the rules committees. They're looking at these different rules and it seems like you hear about them, but it is mostly just through, you know, like sources tell, you know, the athletic or SI or whoever, you know, like this is this is what's going on. Or maybe you get like an official release at some point from the NCAA, like this is what we're studying. You know, these are the potential rules changes and stuff like that, like. How about if there's a little bit more transparency from the NCAA and they actually stand up, you know, actually hold like a press conference or, you know, some kind of forum or something like that. There's not a whole lot else that I can really think of for March and April for college football other than like those kind of things. Maybe it's a little bit stuffy, but if there's actually someone up there talking, you know, officially about it, like, I don't know. So what do you think? March and April, what do you, what do you do? during that period other than spring practice <laughs> so i think what 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 would make the most sense is i feel like each team and this is kind of along the lines of you know spring practice so maybe i'm you know just stretching this out or a little too far fetched but 
I would like each head coach to kind of do, you know how they do um, like preseason conference meetings where all the coaches kind of get together and right. before the start of the season. I think that would be something interesting to possibly look at at the beginning of the spring and kind of have some sort of national media day where a lot of the coaches get together and you essentially just kind of talk about, you know, the changeover that you saw from the end of the season to the start of the spring, you know, what you, what you potentially kind of lost, what you potentially added, and then what you're looking at, you know, as your goals in the spring season. I know a lot of them would be generic because a lot of this, you know, a lot of the spring goals are, are, are the same, but I still think you could do a lot to get out at a national level of saying, Hey, this is what we, you know, lacked in last season, or this is what we lost, or and then maybe this is what we were good at last season, and this is what we've gained, and how, you know, what the vision is kind of going forward, and what you're going to do in the spring to maybe, you know, sort of accomplish some of these minor goals in, in terms of setting yourself up for the fall. Yeah, I, I think that, you know, like all the schools obviously do their own press conferences right off spring, but like you're doing this again, to, to bring the conversation on a little bit more national level. And it doesn't have to be the same group of coaches every time. You can pull like a handful of coaches from each conference or you know whatever it happens to be. I, I think that there are some interesting things that you could do for that because, again, you're talking about pushing college football up sort of into the national conversation just like, you know, because essentially from the time the Super Bowl ends – until the draft, it is all about the draft for the NFL. And that kind of comes and goes in waves, you know. And, and so I think I think that that would be another opportunity for college football to kind of get themselves out there. So you've got more going on. And, like, you could do, like, one group before the spring, another group after the spring. Yeah. And, and I think that that would be fairly easy to do. Really, because, you know, now, obviously, what's coming out of spring? Now you're talking about the things that you accomplished and how your new transfers looked and all that kind of stuff. And then by the end of the spring, maybe still looking to add out of the transfer portal. Exactly. Exactly. And because then at the end of (laughs) at the end of spring, at the end of April, then you've got another transfer portal going on, you know, like you've got the uh, another transfer window. But I, I. I really think that the NCAA, like they were never transparent when Mark Emmert was in charge and they've got a new, you know, head of the NCAA right now. It was all just cloak and dagger stuff, never accountable. I think that it would be good for them to kind of be a little bit more forward facing in front of the camera and I think the NCAA should have almost like a, a town hall or like a state of the union type situation where they talk about the state of the NCAA, you know, what rule changes that happen, what they're, what they're hoping to accomplish out of the rule changes, what they're hoping, you know, what they're, they're, they're going to enforce more this season, what they're looking to, you know, enforce more this season, stuff like that. I think that it should be like a quarterly type situation. And specifically for college football, that quarter should come up, you know, uh, right after maybe the spring spring season ends and then kind of leading into obviously, you know, the, the start of the season in the fall, but I do think that there should be the NCAA giving more transparency. And like I said, some sort of, you know, town hall address, state of the union address, where they're just right. talking about overall, you know, what they accomplished, what they're hoping to accomplish, things that maybe didn't go quite their way, how they're going to fix those things. 
I think that that is ultimately something that could easily be done. It's just the NCAA doesn't want to have to answer to anyone but themselves. Yeah, that's typically the way that goes. Uh, Andre asks, if we think that they should just have one signing day and one transfer portal that would last a month. The problem with the one transfer portal is, again, you've got two different entry points because you've got if, – if you took – the you know like the part of the winter portal out and you made them wait until after the season ends then you're going to if you you're you're going to take away their their like sam hartman for example you would take away a sam hartman's opportunity potentially to enroll in the spring and be here throughout the spring and you know get all those practices in with the team and then you obviously can't you know not do it after the spring as well. So I think really you have to have the two portal dates open because of that. You've got to give some, you know, those guys the opportunity who want to transfer at semester to be able to transfer at semester. They can, so they can get enrolled, join their new team, go through spring practice. And then you also need to give those guys the opportunity at the end of spring who kind of find out their place in the pecking order guys like a Prince Kali, for example, or, or, Tyler Buckner, who are saying, look, it's it's not going to happen for me here. I need to enter the portal now so I can go find another opportunity. So I really think you've got to keep the two portal dates open, don't you? Yeah, because I, I, I do think it is the most fair to the player at the end of the day. And that's ultimately, you know, what we're trying, what I think the overall goal is with the portal and, and everything that, uh, you know, has kind of come out of the portal is, just oftentimes players shouldn't feel stuck where they're at. And if there's a better fit for them or an opportunity for them to make it to the next level or live out as much of their, you know, playing days as possible, I'm all for that. I don't believe that any player should be, should feel like they're held hostage. And there's just certain situations too, where, you know, you're kind of told a lot of stuff and then you step on campus, you're signed, you're going to practice. And it just doesn't pan out the way that you thought it would. And again, yeah. I just don't feel like anyone should feel trapped in, in their current situation. Now, the two signing days, like the high school signing day, Salty says, you know, and again, Andre was asking, should there only be one? There used to be only one. It was in February. Like Salty says, he doesn't mind two signing days, but the early one should be prior to the start of the season, not a month earlier than the NIL or NLI day. It would be done with early I don't I definitely you know like I said I would move the early signing period to the last month of July right before the season starts that's when I would put it maybe you could even put it in August even though coaches are going to be you know busy you know with their fall camps and all that stuff and the, and the players are going to be busy with their own practices and getting their season started the high school players so, you know, like if you pushed it into August, that's why I like July. Do it before everyone, you know, really kind of gets ramped up and get gets busy. Do you think there need to be one? Do you think there needs to be two different signing periods? Could you do it with just one? I still think that the, that that there's a benefit in having a second one, just for guys, you know, who maybe after sure. going through, yeah, who are who are either unsure or go through their season. And maybe, you know, some commitments aren't firm, but then after everyone, after the early guys get signed, that gives everyone, 
you know, kind of like the, the the portal thing, it gives everyone more of an idea of of what is still needed and you know maybe where some opportunities are. I, I don't know. Do you think there need to be two signing periods or signing dates, I guess, for the high school guys? I do like the two signing days for the for the high school kids because I still think that I mean there's just a lot I think for some kids there's a lot of uncertainty when there's a lot of interest in you and so knowing whether or not you made the right decision and and then you know ultimately too to kind of selfishly I feel like it's it's okay or reasonable for the players to kind of see where some of these other guys went like why would I go to a school as a running back when they just sign four running backs in the earlier signing period, right? Like you're only kind of burying yourself on a depth chart, depth chart um, on your own. So just because of those reasons, like I said, the, I think the, the, a lot of these younger kids have so much pressure on them and they're still so young and, and feeling like they have to make the right decision. And then also seeing, you know, kind of where things stack up roster wise, I think it's perfectly okay to have two signing days. Yeah. I guess the question is where to put them. And it's like, there doesn't seem there, there seems to be more talk about just doing away with the early signing period, as opposed to moving it. I think you talk like some of the coaches we've talked to, like July seems to be a good time. Like uh, to put it like salty was saying July and March as the two periods. And like, I wouldn't have a problem with that. At all, either one. I mean, it's you'd, you'd only be moving it a couple of weeks if you moved it off February for the second one. So I still think that there is a benefit to the second one. But again, I don't think that the early signing period needs to be in December because of all the other stuff with the transfer portal now and with coaches movement and getting ready for bowl games. I don't think the early signing period needs to be in December. There's just too much other stuff going on right now. Yeah, and I agree. And I just think as long as it's before the semester starts, that's the ultimate goal because of yeah. what, what Derek kind of brought up is you have early enrollees. And I think that is like the perfect – that makes the perfect sense for, for that signing period because these guys 100% know where they want to go, right? Like so That's like the whole reason why you early enroll is you're probably a stud and you know you're going to be you know challenging for a spot kind of right away. And you know for sure where you want to go. But that's not the case with everyone. Not everyone's a five-star stud. And not everyone has the, you know, the the ability to, to just be wanted and desired by so many schools. I think the later signing period helps people kind of find their better fit for the guys who maybe are, you know, your two or three star, not as highly known as your your five stars that, that oftentimes are gonna are gonna commit early and sign early because again, they know that they're a stud. They know that they're going to start competing right away in spring practice, and they know that they want to go to whatever school they want to go to. That's just not the case for everyone. So I think the second yeah. signing day really benefits those players. Well, like Derek says, early enrollees need the early signing period. There, yeah, there's got to be some kind of early signing period. I guess technically there doesn't have to be because, you know, like you could still sign whenever you want, but, you know, like the way they used to do it with the early enrollees is like, uh, the official signing day wasn't until February, but they couldn't talk officially about those. You know, the guys would be on campus for a month and nobody could talk officially about them, even though they were already enrolled in school and part of the team and everything else. So maybe there technically doesn't have to be, but it, it does. It sure does seem like it makes a lot more sense to have an early period. So the other thing Salty was saying 
Transfer portal should be a week after the draft and close on Memorial Day. And I'm kind of in the same ballpark on that. We talked about, I think it was last week, first week of May, do a transfer portal camp combine, whatever you want to call it. Like players who haven't committed yet, go to a senior bowl type event, even if it's just, you know, for like three or four days, like spend the weekend there, you work out with some different coaches, and then you can televise some of the stuff like the NFL does with its combine. And we talked about this yesterday, something like 70% of the players in the portal have not actually played for the schools that they started out at. So like there are a lot of guys who don't have any film other than practice film. And if you're, you know, a former Colorado guy, Deion Sanders isn't going to let anybody see your practice film. So I think there's a benefit in having some kind of event like this in early May, get some of these guys some exposure and then mid-May or the end of May, you do a spring transfer portal signing date. What do you think about that? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah, I am uh, all aboard on that. And it, again, the reason why I'm so about it is because it's centered around kind of like the, the transfer portal showdown, you know, allowing these players in the transfer portal the opportunity to basically go out there and have their own sort of combine and, you know, give live feedback results to a lot of these coaches to see where, you know, majority of them stand. So I I think that is uh, one of your better ideas in a long time. (laughs) Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Take a compliment any way I can get it. So unlike uh, your Friday's excursion, that was not. (laughs) <laughs> Friday's excursion. What are you talking about? Or yesterday. Sorry. Whatever. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We don't have to get into that. Right. <laughs> All right. So then that takes us through May. And now we're getting to June. And, and, you know, of course, the calendar closes in June when the College World Series ends. Here's what I would do, you know, because again, like you've got with the NFL, you've got all this buildup with schedule release and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, they they kind of slow release some of the stuff. They leak some stuff out a couple days in advance of the actual schedule being done. Yeah, right back at you, Derek. But uh, it's you can't really do that in college football because the schedules, so much of them are put together so far in advance. But you've got the TV schedules, like something that's been happening in this last week or so, like last week. NBC announced Penn State and West Virginia was going to be their their first primetime game on NBC. Uh, I think it was yesterday it came out. Ohio State, Michigan State are going to be a November 11th primetime game on NBC. The networks, when they figure out what these schedules are going to be, they do their own draft of these games. Like they literally draft these these games you know like fox gets first pick for example then nbc would get a pick cbs would get a pick you know espn obviously in there for whatever they have the rights to so what if like in early june 
rather than this kind of you release a game here, you release a game there over the course of a couple of weeks. What if they did, you know, like a, a, a TV draft of, you know, the, the network the games of the year. Yeah. Drafting the top games of the year. And it's like, they're, they're all doing that. You know, they can all do like their own version, just like ESPN and NFL network do their own thing. Like you could do this stuff on ESPN or Fox sports. And, you know, you got a million different streamers and stuff like that. What do you think about that? Like the TV draft for the prime time or the, you know, the, the big college football games of the year. Yeah. I, I know I would be interested. I don't know how much you could get interest on a national level, but overall I think the concept is really sound because again, it feels a void of dead time and it would be cool to see, you know, how, how important these networks, you know, view your school, essentially like Notre Dame, USC, Notre Dame, Clemson, Notre Dame and Ohio state. Like those would probably all be top 10, you know, at the very least games right. that you could, you could probably almost go top five just because of the national presence that Notre Dame has. And so I think that doing something like that just kind of adds more to the rivalries, right? Like it makes it, it gives the games even more hype seeing that it was the most anticipated right. game of the year, essentially. Well, and then like NBC and some of these other networks for that matter, they can say, here's what's going to be, you know, like for, for example, that Penn State West Virginia game is going to be the same day Notre Dame plays Tennessee State. So like NBC could say, well, you know, not that the Tennessee State is obviously a big marquee game, but they they could say, here's our doubleheader for that day. And there are plenty of other Saturdays like that where NBC can now say, here's here's what our you know Notre Dame Big Ten primetime doubleheaders are going to look like throughout the season, or you know Fox. Here's what our big noon kickoff is. And here's what we've got. Like, they, it, there's a lot of different stuff I think that they can do there. And then, like, Notre Dame and, and the other schools as well can start announcing some of these game times. And someone was just asking, any any idea what the Notre Dame Navy kickoff in Ireland will be? Haven't heard it yet, which seems weird, considering it's going to start the season and it's going to be in Ireland. Like, you would think that we would know. I would imagine – I, I, it's going to be probably somewhere around noon our time because I think that they're like five hours ahead of us. So that would be five o'clock Ireland time would be noon Eastern time, you know, maybe a little bit, you know, kind of in that window would be my guess. But as of right now, we don't know. Derek says only the Clemson game is not already on NBC. I'm not really following what you what you mean. Since those that. are home games, they are automatically on NBC. Clemson being the away game, it'd be the only one not on NBC. Well, yeah, but I mean, yeah, you could make it like a package deal. Here's our, you know, right. Notre Dame doubleheader on NBC today. Right. Obviously, there's not going to be a doubleheader every week, but they could announce the ones that they know are going to be doubleheaders. And I thought I saw something today about Notre Dame Clemson is going to be on ABC. I don't know if that was official or not, but I did see kind of something about that. But again, like there's there's a lot of and, and some of those some of those things are not determined until once the season gets started, as we well know, when Notre Dame goes on the road, you know, there's there's always those windows that they put them in to determine, you know, what time, what what channel assignment, you know, which network and all that different kind of stuff. But pretty much we know when Notre Dame 
is on the road, it's it's going to end up on uh, on the mouse someplace. It's just a matter of you know which mouse it's going to be. Now they go out west. That's going to change now because uh, I believe that well, uh, Pac-12 is still working out their contract, so I, I don't I, I won't even go there. But anyway, just kind of some ideas of some different things. I think that there's, you know, there's some some different ways that college football could go, you know, to kind of be a bigger part of the conversation. Maybe it's selfish because it helps us have something to talk about in the offseason. But I just feel like there are a lot of different things that they could be doing to, you know, to grab more national conversation in the offseason than what they're doing right now. There's some, And I also think that there are some things that kind of need to be worked around. Yeah, and I think that it is definitely a fun kind of subject to talk about because ultimately there's no wrong answer because they don't do anything right now. So you're just basically kind of throwing ideas out there of what you believe would, would as a fan, give you even more interest of what you're doing. And I know it's it's a lot maybe easier for people like us who are you know always fans and kind of always looking at stuff kind of year-round but you got to think of more of like the, the casual fans um, who would love to maybe tune in. And like you said, see who Notre Dame's going into getting the transfer portal to see who Notre Dame is going to play on what network and how important it is on the national level to everyone else. Or, you know, just moving around things overall to just have a more streamlined interest throughout the duration of the offseason. All right. Well, that's going to do it for tonight. Thanks as always. Again, we do appreciate it and we will talk to you tomorrow. Jesse, I will talk to you later in the week as well. We'll talk to you later on Ivy Nation Sports Talk. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Mail checks, invoices, documents, and everything you need to keep your business running. Get rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS. And with the mobile app, you can take care of mailing on the go. Make the same no-brainer decisions as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.